Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. And this week, I don't have a co-host for the recap, uh, not the recap pod, the preview pod, because we're not doing the regular preview. We did the thing where we go out and we get a friend uh, from another website to give us a bit of a glimpse into uh, into Penn State's opponent that week. And we decided to make a call to our pal Ace and Bender over at MGO Blog. Ace, uh, I know that MGO Blog has probably gotten used to hostilities from every corner of the internet. We have certainly done that as well to a lesser extent, and I believe it's best to just put those aside so we could talk some football. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we we've known we've been known to get into some sticky situations <laughs> every once in a while, but. Uh... No, it's all, I mean, certainly now we're not in a position to uh, make enemies with anybody at the, at the moment. <laughs> right, it's weird because, like, I'm not saying you specifically, I mean, like, MGO blog as a whole. Like, I feel like you guys really like to chirp about stuff, and we're, like, we're pretty similar. Like, we like to talk trash, we like to get jokes off at our opponents, and I almost feel like that's the thing that I hate the most about this season, is I just can't get jokes off at anyone's expense because Penn State is sitting at 0-5 right now. Oh, absolutely. I, I like the most brutal thing about this season, I feel like, for Michigan is that Michigan State is so bad <laughs> and we can't say anything about it because we already lost to them. Yeah, I mean, it, that like, how, how do I phrase it? Like, I want to get jokes off about how not good Michigan is, uh, but I can't because... Penn State is looking up at them and everybody else in the standings. It's just been the most ridiculous, like even beyond the obvious why this college football season is ridiculous. This has been the most ridiculous of seasons when you look at the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten East standings and you, 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 you know, you're looking at the very top, you see Ohio State and then you see Indiana. Okay, that's weird. And then Maryland. And then Michigan shows up then, Penn State's not like just all this weird stuff. And even though Penn State is sitting at 0-5, very bottom of the conference, we'll talk about them uh, in a little bit. But before we do that, I feel like if you just looked at the discourse around Michigan football this year, you would be stunned to learn that they have two wins. Like, what has been going on with Michigan in this year in particular where it somehow feels like they are talked about as being worse than having a two and three record. Well, I think part of it is certainly the, uh, the quality of the wins, which I mean, (laughs) the Minnesota game, uh, the shine came off of that pretty much immediately. (laughs) Um, They have had a a rough go after Michigan looked really good in that game. I mean, we were riding, very high heading into the Michigan State game. I said a lot of incredibly regrettable things <laughs> on multiple podcasts that week uh, that hopefully will not be dug up for many, many years heading into the future. And then the other win is an overtime game against Rutgers in which Rutgers misses a chance to win it in overtime on a field goal that they set up by centering the ball and kneeling it and then hooked it uh, left when they had the ball on the right hash. Um they probably would have made it if they just hadn't centered it. Um, and then immediately go out on the first play of the second overtime and call a play that is so good. It gets a basically walk-in touchdown. And every Michigan fan is like, why couldn't you have just put us out of our misery <laughs> one overtime session ago? Or at least that's kind of how I felt. Um, 
I was so deeply upset that game was at night. Uh, so yeah, it's, I, there's, I think the perception is bad in part because the wins are bad. And then just you look at this team and they just look so disjointed. The past defense is so bad. They've scrapped pretty much like, you know, multiple strategies on both sides of the ball. You know, the defense has kind of had to go from Don Brown's constant man to man preference to having to play zone because the cornerbacks were just getting roasted by not very good receivers on a regular basis. So it's, I understand why people look at it and talk about it. Like it's worse than the record shows because uh, that, that is how it feels as a Michigan fan. So it's so fascinating that, you know, we're going to, I want to ask just kind of what's the recap of the season so far, where have the issues uh, been? And, when I hear that a Michigan team is struggling, just inherently, um, I think everyone's brain goes to, oh, they're getting into a bunch of rock fights. They're losing those rock fights because, uh, you know, whatever six foot five guy who can't move playing quarterback just isn't getting the ball to where he needs to. But I'm looking right now, Michigan is fifth in the conference at 30.6 points per game. And then I go over to the defensive side of the ball and it's just good Lord, like this is not the Michigan football that like I've come to expect. They're allowed, they have allowed the exact same number of points in the exact same number of games as Penn state. So just generally uh, my guess is you're going to spend most of the time talking about defense, but if you want to talk offense, you want to talk special teams, you want to talk coaching, whatever you want to do, talk about that. Just what has gone wrong for Michigan in the grand scheme of this football season? Oh, boy, where to even start? I mean, the defense is probably a good place, given the numbers you just mentioned, although it it does feel this year like a very holistic collapse. Uh, But the defense had a lot of problems. Like, there were depth chart issues heading into the season that we saw coming kind of for years, particularly at cornerback and at defensive tackle. And lo and behold, uh, particularly at cornerback, uh, it turns out you kind of need to recruit good players at these positions to end up getting good performances. And Michigan went from getting high level recruits with fast 40 times to pulling in a bunch of three stars who ran four sixes and four sevens in high school. And we're seeing how that works against even normal spread to pass operations right now. Just college football has advanced past, I think, I I think we've seen Don Brown kind of tip over past his peak as a defensive coordinator. And he was absolutely phenomenal for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just seems like he doesn't have an answer to these spread to pass offenses. He gets bumped out of his kind of default way of going at things only after things go really awry during the season. The change this year has been that it happened in game two as opposed to, you know, the Ohio State game or maybe with maybe a game or two before that, that's kind of foreboding. But uh, this year, all the defensive performances kind of feel like the Ohio State game. And that's uh, anybody who's watched the game for the past, I don't know, decade (laughs) knows that's pretty rough for Michigan fans. So that's that's kind of the starting point. And then uh, the run defense has been soft at times. there's been injuries up front. You know, Michigan entered the season with 
kind of two potential, I would say all American candidates at defensive end and Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson's out for the season uh, now, and Quiddy Pay has been out with an injury for a couple weeks and is questionable for this weekend. So that that certainly doesn't help because they weren't particularly deep behind those guys and they were already kind of covering for a not that impressive group of defensive tackles. And the linebacker group has seemed kind of lost in between those two groups. They've been disappointing, too. So it's just been a total defensive collapse. But I mean, I would almost say that kind of hides the the offensive issues, which is Michigan still can't consistently run the ball. They've already benched Joe Milton, who I was very excited about in terms of what he brought to the table coming into the season. But it seems like there is an ongoing kind of power struggle in terms of play calling between and between Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh, both in terms of what they want to run down to down and kind of what they want this team to be uh, offensively in terms of their identity. We heard a lot about speed and space from Josh Gaddis over the last two years, and we're still only getting bits and pieces of it. There still isn't a coherent uh, read option game or anything that regularly involves the quarterback in the run game in a way that's at all dangerous. So Michigan has the stable of running backs that keeps kind of slamming its head into the line. Uh, They're now on Cade McNamara, who looked pretty good, but it was against Rutgers after Milton was benched. Notably, his first two throws came against busted coverages, and that covered about 55, 60 yards and a touchdown. He's got upside, but not nearly as much as Milton. So they've got him in right now just because he's the steadier hand. And so they've already kind of taken, taken the ceiling down a little bit on the offense. The offense has been disappointing. Uh, you can throw in that special teams has been an issue. They've missed a lot of field goals because in part, because they've had issues with their long snapper. Uh, they've had a punt blocked in the Minnesota game. The coaches don't seem to be on the same page. <laughs> I don't know what else. What uh, else do you yeah, want, uh, but uh, but but other than that, how's the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's just been a brutal start to the season, and it's it's hard. Like there are times where I mean, and I'm sure you've been on the receiving end of this as well, where team gets off to an early start, bad start, either over the season or in the course of a game. And you get some pretty heavy overreactions, some people who are just ready to get deep into their feelings about how this has all gone wrong. I can't blame people for doing that this year. In year six of Harbaugh, with how much everything has fallen apart, and and especially with losing to this particular Michigan State game in week two as well, uh, it's it's just all bad feelings around here, and I totally get it. Yeah, I... It was, you know, as you were going on there, you like you were just mentioning so many things that, uh, in our little corner of the college football universe, really seemed to, uh, see, you know, there there seemed to be some overlap. Like Penn State's defense has just looked really slow this year, although. You know there are there's four or five star talent all over the place. They just haven't been able to consistently, uh, you. 
you know, guys have been able to run past Penn State's defense uh, a little bit too quickly. It hasn't felt like uh, an issue in recruiting, uh, you know, bringing in slower guys. It just seems like that's something that's kind of happened. You mentioned uh, football kind of being past Don Brown's defense, which everyone knows, like really aggressive, hyper attacking defense that just can't get home. And I'm sure every Penn State fan you, you know, doing the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme thing, like, hey, that's happening. <laughs> that that's happening to us too. And uh, like, you know, you look at Ohio State; they're able to consistently get home with four. Uh, you, then look at Penn State and Michigan; they have to bring extra guys. Their pass defense gets shredded because of like all this stuff. It just seems like there's a lot of overlap. You know, there are two quarterbacks uh, who have you know they've had their flashes. They haven't always they also responded by not looking great to those flashes and vice versa. They can't consistently run the ball, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like all these things just sound so similar. Uh, and we'll talk, talk about it in the context of Penn state in a second, but you mentioned at the very end there, uh, about this being year six of Harbaugh, leading to overreactions, that sort of thing. You also mentioned how you like Penn, some Michigan fans were kind of able to foresee some of these issues popping up. So I'm very interested in whether the sense is that these Michigan problems, the very, you know, the laundry list that you just ran through that have led to this team being two and three, if they're like this weird, fluky outlier thing, uh, and everyone's just like, all right, get to next season and they'll go back to being an eight, nine, 10, 11 win team. Or is this kind of, you know, we've always been heading in this direction. This year was always going to be really bad. And there's going to be some soul searching that has to happen in Ann Arbor because this is a path that's going to be really hard to stop going down. I mean, I definitely lean more towards the latter. It's it's a weird year, obviously. Michigan had a couple very unfortunate opt-outs at really critical spots. Uh, Nico Collins, a wide receiver, it'd be really nice for them to have a reliable jump ball threat right now to kind of make things easier on the quarterbacks. And Ambry Thomas, their number one corner, uh, I don't need to explain why they could really use him right now. Uh, but that is also kind of part of the problem, which is if, if two opt-outs like that are going to cause this many problems and i don't think they could they've obviously caused all these problems but if they exacerbate these problems to this extent that's that tends to fall back on the coaches because in college football even if you're not in this ridiculous pandemic ridden year you've always got to be prepared for some attrition you've always got to be prepared for some unexpected stuff to happen that is just a huge part of the game and a big problem with Jim Harbaugh's Michigan program has been that anytime some little thing goes wrong, whether it's the starting quarterback getting dinged up or a defensive end getting hurt the week before the Ohio state game in 2016 and 2018 um, stuff like that. Uh, every team deals with stuff like that. I mean, we saw Ohio state win a national championship with their third string quarterback I'm not saying Michigan should be expected to do that, but Michigan has not been able to weather these little issues and come out of it remotely competitive on the level that fans expect them to be. And I think is reasonable expect Michigan to be given their history. And I know it's been a rough 
decade and a half or so. Um, but I mean, even Jim Harbaugh early on in his tenure started to show where the ceiling really is with this program. They were pretty darn close to making a, uh, a big 10 championship game in year two. Uh, it's just, it feels like he's, he's turned over coordinator so many times. He's had some issues in recruiting where there have just been these inexplicable holes in the recruiting classes. Defensive tackle has been a problem. Cornerback's been a problem recently. And now we're seeing that play out on the field. Quarterback hasn't always been as deep as you'd like. We're seeing that play out on the field. And then you, you get to it. Like Michigan also not recruiting well in state. They have lost a lot of really talented in state players and that has impacted the quality of their recruiting classes. So a lot of the motivations you'd have for maybe holding on to a guy for another year aren't necessarily around. And it just seems like it's going to require a couple years to really fix the foundation here. Now there's a lot that could lead a good coach to turn this around instantly but it feels like if you leave harbaugh there it's going to take two to three years and then you're going into year eight year nine and people are going to be pretty darn tired of this and you're farther and farther away from michigan being a powerhouse program that anyone could even really remember being a powerhouse program so uh i'm ready for them to pull the ripcord and my fear here is that the athletic department is maybe going to look at the covid related excuses and let them cover for some stuff that is absolutely systemic within the football program and has nothing to do with a very strange 2020 yeah so i'll ask you uh the harbaugh thing about the harbaugh thing in a second but like just as you were going on there it sounds to me like your guess is you know should they decide okay you know what jim uh Thanks for everything, someone else, blah, blah, blah. You don't necessarily think that this is uh, a Rich Rod to Brady Hoke thing where uh, Brady Hoke inherits a team of, you know, really good juniors and seniors and then just steps in and is able to win, what was it, 11 games or something like that. Is that uh, is that fair? I mean, I, I could see, like, it, Rich Rod got the, or the Brady Hoke got the advantage of inheriting not necessarily a super talented team, but at least they had a, a team with an identity and a high level quarterback. I mean, say what you want about Denard Robinson. I know people will, but that, that dude could drive an offense for most of the season at the very least and drive a high level offense at that. Um, so that, that really helped uh, the Rich Rod to, to Hoke transition this team just there's there's so many things in flux where i mean they certainly have the talent coming in they have the talent on campus where the right coach could absolutely put together a 10 or 11 win opening season but it is going to take kind of similar to hoax first season where he had a lot of things kind of fall into place uh in a sort of lucky way that maybe uh, should have raised some red flags for us for the future of Brady Oaks, Michigan program. Uh, it kind of take, uh, I think a similar, just let's get it. Let's be lucky than the next coach, just being able to pull a number of things together. You know, it, because it's not just with Rich Rod, it was just like, okay, the defense is awful. And if you can fix that, you're going to have a good team. 
with this, it's like, well, the defense fell apart. The offense, they've been searching for an identity pretty much the whole time Harbaugh's been here. Uh, and they weren't good under Hoke either. And recruiting is not in a particularly stable place right now, given in-state recruiting and just how far ahead Ohio State is uh, of Michigan, I, where, you know, the reasonable take isn't even like, don't don't look for a guy who's going to get you right back on the level of Ohio State. Michigan's chief rival forever. It's just find somebody who can get you close. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 going to be tough for the for the next coach, and that's part of the reason why I want a transition to happen sooner. Is uh, there's a lot of work to do, and I think that work needs to be done by somebody else. Yeah. So on that, like my theory on Michigan has always been, there is so much tied up in Harbaugh, uh, not necessarily as a football coach, but just like kind of what he represents to the university, what he represents to Michigan football, uh, as an entity, you know, bigger than just what happens on the field. Like that man is like, is the embodiment of Michigan football, even before you even consider him as their coach. So it's always just been really hard for me to kind of square away the thought of him being just outright fired. It's always seemed to me more like uh, marches to an end and then leaves uh, or takes an NFL job or something like that. Like, I I don't know why I just can't wrap my head around this concept, but from day one, because it's felt like... Since day one, there have been pieces written, oh, you know what? Maybe Jim Harbaugh is going to be in trouble. Maybe Jim Harbaugh is going to be in trouble. Who knows what's going to happen here? It now feels like that stuff is becoming more tangible than ever and closer than ever. But it's still hard for me to ever square away the concept of him being fired. Is that something that, um, you know, will strip away our current reality with COVID and with uh, athletic budgets and all those sorts of things. Is that something that you could foresee happening under the correct circumstances? Or is it something where uh, suddenly they go, hey, uh, Jim, you know what would be really good for you uh, coaching the New York Jets? You should go do that, buddy. I mean, they're in a very interesting spot because on the one hand, I there there is some like Michigan man protecting their own potential here. The athletic director, Ward Manuel, played under Bo Schembechler. I think he overlapped with Harbaugh. Um, he was an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, he's he's got the Michigan man thing going. There There is some of the early kind of insider word as, you know, the season started to go poorly. And I would take this with a pretty big grain of salt just because you're always going to kind of stick by your guy and say the things people want to hear. Um is that Michigan wants the, the a Michigan guy? Um, the 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 problem with that is going to be there are no other Michigan guy coaches out there. Michigan has uh, completely stripped their coaching tree barren. It's like something out of Charlie Brown's Christmas. It's it's pretty incredible, um, given the history here and what they had before. Um, just how few quality, uh, even coordinator level guys there are with any real significant Michigan ties. Um, but Michigan does have a bit of an out, which is Harbaugh's contract expires after the 2021 season. 
they kind of the word that they put out publicly was that once COVID hit, they kind of put an extension aside for the time being because there were more important things to do. And that, of course, has already been used against Michigan on the recruiting trail. And you cannot in college football let a coach enter their lame duck year as a head coach on their contract. Just it, it just destroys your recruiting. And for good reason, because why would you commit to a guy who doesn't have a contract to be there even for your freshman year? Uh, so Michigan's either going to have to hand out an extension after this season or do some sort of mutual parting of the ways I, I would sense would be kind of the way to do it where they go, you know, either Harbaugh decides to take an NFL job or chooses to take a year off. Um, you know, they let Dave Brandon resign. So I imagine they let Jim Harbaugh resign and find a way to make it look like it was a mutual decision. Uh, you know, maybe allude to the, you know, something about the contract and go their separate ways. Cause I, you know, I, I am with you. It's hard to imagine Michigan officially firing Jim Harbaugh, unless there is some scandal that breaks at the same time that Michigan is losing by 50 to Ohio state. But mm -hmm. Other than that, uh, I, I think there's going to be hopefully some way that they kind of finagle out of it because the alternative is probably committing to him for three more years because otherwise you destroy the program's recruiting. So before we get into the game, uh, I, I think whenever we get someone uh, from outside our fun uh, little corner of the internet, uh, it's good to have them just talk about their perception of Penn State right now. And you mentioned something a minute ago uh, about how a program shouldn't be in the position Michigan is in when, you know, they lose two players and they lose Nico Collins and they lose Ambry Thomas. And it's so funny because Penn State obviously lost Micah Parsons, lost Journey Brown, uh, Parsons opting out before the season, Journey Brown, a medical issue that caused him to retire. Uh, and then there's just been like a, a number of other issues after that. Uh, Pat Fryermuth now out for the season. Penn State's two starting running backs are out. Uh, there were the coordinator. There was a coordinator change. There were a new coach. Blah, blah, blah. Like all these sorts of things that even when you mention something that I do agree with about how losing a couple of players shouldn't be catastrophic, like your program should be able to withstand that it still feels to me like this Penn state season is just a fluky, perfect storm. And there's a really easy path for them back uh, to a place where they can compete, you know, if not against Ohio state, you know, be right below them in the big 10 compete for new year's six bowls, that sort of thing. Where do you kind of stand uh, from your outsider view of just what's going on with Penn State right now, and what do you think about Penn State once it gets through this hell season and gets into a, you know, gets into the future? I mean, as as much as I'd love to bash on James Franklin, and, and trust me, I do love bashing James Franklin. Uh, I it this does feel like an extremely fluky season, both in terms of just things issues hitting the exact wrong spots on the Penn state team, you know, wiping you know, like 
almost all the skill positions, you know, getting hit in some way or another, uh, having dis like the disappointing quarterback play out of a senior is something that is less foreseeable than the, the issues Michigan's had at quarterback with a first time starter after Dylan McCaffrey left the program. Um, and I mean, I mean, and losing Micah Parsons, obviously I, it's hard to overstate the impact of that. I loved the the offensive coordinator coordinator hire. I thought Chiraco was a I hope I'm not butchering that name, a really interesting uh candidate coming out of Minnesota. I thought stealing somebody from PJ Flex system was a pretty good idea. Um and I and I thought frankly he'd be an upgrade on Ricky Ronnie. So um I, I still think there's a lot of upside with with Penn State under Franklin with even keeping potentially keeping this whole staff intact, I'm less familiar with the defensive side of the ball, but it does seem like, you know, when you lose the guy who's really like the identity of that defense, it, it, it's it's tough to turn around from that in a short offseason. So, uh, yeah, I think Penn State can turn it around pretty quickly. They're still recruiting well. I, I And they've also gotten pretty unlucky for for stretches of the season i mean what was it a 95 percent win probability in the indiana game like these are these are closer games other than the iowa game really and and maybe the maryland game um ohio state is just eminently understandable um but michigan's getting thumped by indiana they're losing to a michigan state team they have just absolutely no business losing to uh, I, I mean, I'm sure Penn State can say the same thing about Nebraska, but at least it isn't a rival, and at least that was on the road. Uh, um, you know, losing 49 to 11 against Wisconsin for Michigan is brutal. I I, I don't see necessarily. I, I I guess maybe you could chalk up Iowa as an equivalent loss, but man, I I just I don't get the same foreboding feeling uh, for the long term watching Penn State this year as I do with Michigan. It seems like. You know, if you find, uh, develop a quarterback and just get a full offseason in, a lot of the problems will kind of sort themselves out. That's not the feeling I get, obviously, from Michigan. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, Bill Conley over at ESPN wrote, you know, I don't have it in front of me, basically the odds that Penn State would have lost, based on everything that happened in the games, odds that Penn State would have picked up losses uh, to Indiana and Nebraska, just based on the numbers from those games, was 1%. And Penn State, of course, ended up losing both of them. So, yeah, just, like, all-time weird, crazy hell season. But the opportunity for Penn State to get back on track uh, will present itself this weekend. Uh, Nittany Lions going to what has been a bit of a little shop of horrors for James Franklin uh, during his time in Happy Valley, heading up to Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor. Noon kick on ABC. Michigan currently a one-point favorite over under of 58 and a half. Ace, uh, we'll just really quickly do a quick preview of this game, uh, starting with when Michigan has the football. It's an offense that has done a pretty admirable job uh, of moving the ball and a pretty de- admirable job of getting the ball into the end zone uh, against a defense that 
it's very weird. Penn State's fourth in the Big Ten in defensive yards per game uh, and tied for second to last in the Big Ten in points allowed per game. So what are you going to be paying attention to uh, from your perspective when Michigan has the ball in this one? I mean, the first thing, obviously, is you've got Cade McNamara making his first start in all likelihood after Joe Milton was benched. I mean, you, you are certainly sound a little higher on Michigan's offense than I'd say most Michigan fans are because uh, the offense has moved the ball, but it has very much been in fits and spurts. A lot of it was against Minnesota's just absolutely abject defense. And then last week against Rutgers after they inserted McNamara, the offense came to life a little bit, but that's Rutgers. I know Rutgers has kind of turned things around a little bit this year and at least looks somewhat competent, but um, the way in which Michigan has gained these yards has not necessarily been the most inspiring. Uh, so with McNamara, I think the main thing is uh, you can generally tell whether Michigan's going to have a half-decent offensive game or not by whether the quarterback is running the ball with any efficacy because a big problem for Michigan the last few years, um, pretty much since Shea Patterson came in at quarterback, is that We've been promised these offenses that we're going to have uh, reads in the running game. And then you get a week or two into the season, and it seems like all the reads have been left out of the running game, and defenses are just teeing off on the back. And the quarterback, even if there is green grass for 50 yards, is not going to hold on to the ball because these are not real option plays. Uh, that's what was happening with Joe Milton for a few weeks in there. When McNamara came in against Rutgers, they did actually have a couple legit reads in there. So we'll see if maybe that was something to do with Milton instead of just an, ab an absolute coaching failure. Um, it's hard to tell some of Michigan's issues these days because so many things are going wrong at the same time that you're not sure what's causing what. Um, but uh, so, so key one is going to be quarterback keeping the ball. Um, if that's happening, McNamara has at least some wheels and then that can hopefully open things up for Hassan Haskins, who's really emerged as a tough running number one back who gets a lot of yards that the offensive line does not necessarily give him. Speaking of that offensive line, one thing I forgot to mention when talking about Michigan's holistic uh, breakdown this season has been that they've gone the last two weeks without both of their starting offensive tackles. Uh, they're hopeful to get both of them back this week. Um, in all likelihood, it's probably just going to be the one, although at least the one is more likely to be Jalen Mayfield, uh, who's um, nearly left for the NFL draft uh, before the Big Ten announced it was coming back. Um, he'll, so he'll slide in a right tackle, and that'll allow Michigan to slide a tackle down and cover for what have been some pretty serious issues on the interior of the line. Uh, the last few weeks, just even executing pretty basic run blocks and picking up anything that isn't a straight up four man rush at the quarterback. Um, so that, I guess that brings me to pass protection. Also something to keep an eye on for Michigan. They have not been able to do it for long enough to get much going downfield. Uh, I like Penn State's defensive ends. Um, so this, this might be a situation where Penn State doesn't necessarily have to bring extra pressure uh, to get to the quarterback which may surprise Penn State fans, but Michigan fans would be surprised by nothing a defense does to them at this point. So uh, I think that that mostly covers the offensive side of the ball. Michigan's going to be 
their student TV outlet is reporting they're going to be without Giles Jackson. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but if he's out, that takes away one of their more dangerous weapons out of the slot. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, there's just not a lot going for this offense right now. Yeah, I, with for me, it's always a matter of what happens in third and long situations because I think Penn State's going to be able to get Michigan into a good number of third and long, not not third and longs, like third and seven, third and eight, just with their, like you mentioned, their issues to run the football. Um, the fact that you can, you know, you can gum up the works uh, on their uh, passing game a bit, but Penn State just all year has been garbage on third and longs like this is basically when you get into a passing down against Penn State the best thing that you can do is just chuck the ball somewhere past uh the first down marker because someone's probably open and someone's probably going to get it and it just feels like with this Michigan team that they have this you know losing Collins Ronnie Bell is a nice player they have Giles Jackson, they have Cornelius shots, like they have some options, but they haven't exactly felt like, uh, you know, Josh Gaddis is a Joe Moorhead disciple. Uh, we know as well as anyone what it means to be a Joe Moorhead disciple. It hasn't felt like Michigan has done a particularly good job attacking down the field. Like they just haven't been able to really get that going. So I'm very interested to see what happens, uh, with McNamara in there under center and, uh, if and when he gets into those situations where he has to throw the football, uh, he has to attack Penn State's secondary, if he's going to have the time to do it, and if he's going to be able to find that space that is almost certainly going to be there. Uh, And then let's just go to the other side of the ball. Penn State's offense has been outstanding this season at moving the ball down the field, and it has been uh, total garbage at, one, protecting the football, and two, punching it into the end zone. Michigan has let teams move the ball uh, quite a bit and has let teams score uh, quite a bit. You know, they're, I, it's been really weird watching this Michigan team because it just does not feel like a Michigan football team on that side of the football. What are you going to be paying attention to when Penn State has the ball against this leaky Wolverine defense? Oh, goodness. Um I think that the first thing I'll be looking at is how they try to slow down Jahan Dotson, uh, who's one of the better receivers that they've gone up against so far this year. And considering they've been torched by some guys who haven't really done anything against anybody else, uh, Dotson, uh, between his ability to threaten on both underneath stuff and also take the top off a defense, he's he's the main guy who frightens me. Um, and that is, goes doubly. So because Dax Hill had a pretty atrocious game against Rutgers last week. Uh, you know, some of it I think is that he's trying to cover up for some of the issues happening with the cornerbacks and is maybe pulling himself out of position needlessly because he's sort of trying to play two positions at once. But I'm guessing he's going to be the main guy who matches up with Dotson, at least when Dotson goes into the slot and is also often going to be the safety over the top of him when that's not the case. And he needs to be way, way better than he was last week or Penn State is going to be able to throw quite a bit. Uh, Another thing is going to be just who's healthy on the defensive line for Michigan because they've been lining up 
Carlo Kemp, who they they would played at nose tackle last year, he's been lining up at defensive end uh, when Pay and Hutchinson were both out. Hutchinson is obviously going to be out for the rest of the year, but there is some chance that Pay comes back this week. He's a monster off the edge who is getting really shortchanged in the stats this year because teams have been able to get passes off so quickly against Michigan that there have just been a really frustrating number of plays where he is inches away from hitting the quarterback, but um, instead there's a 40-yard completion downfield. Uh, so, which I guess takes me to, I hope the cornerbacks stay within 10 feet of Penn State receivers. I really don't know what, what else to add to that <laughs> on, in terms of analysis. Um, but, you know, every receiver is frightening right now. Anytime a quarterback has time to throw down downfield, it's frightening. Michigan's corners have improved a little bit at at least staying in contact. Um, but, you know, some of that was against Rutgers. Uh, and the run defense has been pliable, too. So I just um, I would like to see Michigan do one thing well, I guess. Um, and I think the optimism here would be that they at least plug up the run game now that Penn State is down a couple of backs and you know, doesn't have the strongest run blocking offensive line out there. It'd be nice to see Michigan at least uh, get a win in one phase of the game. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's so hard for me from my perspective to talk about this. Cause like, I have no idea who Penn state's quarterback is going to be. It might be Will Levis. And if they do, Penn state is going to run at the heart of Michigan's defense for uh, four quarters. And it might be Sean Clifford. And he has been uh, the chaos quarterback without all the fun stuff that has been a uh, defining factor of other college football chaos quarterbacks over the years. Uh, the one thing I will say is it doesn't look like Michigan has been particularly great uh at havoc plays, you know they've a uh, you know they they've been able to get some tackles for loss in there, but hasn't had a ton of sacks. They've only had a pair of interceptions. Uh, it it just ha- doesn't seem like Michigan's defense is particularly fantastic at getting you off schedule. Is that a fair way of putting it, Ace? Absolutely. I mean, pretty much the only guys who were making plays in the first couple of games of the season were the two defensive ends, and then they got hurt. Uh, it's, it's hard to create much havoc in the secondary when you're just trying to keep in contact with receivers. Um, so there's not much chance there. And that's also really impacting what they can do up front. Um, because there's just, you know, bringing a blitz is a bad idea because it's just more rushers that you don't have in coverage who aren't going to get to the quarterback because somebody's going to be open. Uh, so it, it's kind of a bleak position that Michigan's been, been put in right now, especially now that they're, uh, at best going to have one, not totally healthy starting defensive end, uh, from what they started the season with. And that was really kind of the strength of this defense, but the linebackers have also been a huge disappointment. Uh, Cam McGrone has been, was a guy that we were kind of hoping would be, a potential All-American, or at least uh, very much in the All-Being-Ted hunt. He's looked not very good when he's been healthy, and when he's not healthy, he's being replaced by a walk-on right now. Um, So there are some significant concerns in terms of Michigan's ability to get teams off schedule at all because uh, their defensive tackles aren't stout enough to keep teams from running up the middle, and... uh, any passing plays are, are have a pretty good chance of success. So it's 
if you don't get them on first down, you're probably going to get them on second. God, that's so interesting because Penn State's entire thing, entire two things have been one. It doesn't seem like they trust either quarterback to throw. Uh, Sean Clifford's just, you know, he's Trace McSorley without Trace McSorley's ability to make stuff happen. And Will Levis uh has he, he has one pitch. Uh, he He's like Ricky Wild thing Vaughn before he got glasses. He has one pitch and it's 120 miles an hour and he doesn't know where he's putting it. And their other issue has been like, they just get taken off the schedule so easily. So you put those two together and it's like a, a, a movable, you know, uh, a, a stoppable force against a movable object uh, on that side of the field. Like it just seems like there's just so much weird nonsense going into this game when that's at like I have no idea what to expect when uh, it's Penn State's defense against Michigan's offense because it feels like that you know that's not interesting it's so interesting when the other when that's flipped because both of these units are just so weird and I have no idea what we should even begin to expect from it. Uh, but let's get a prediction uh, before we wrap this one up again, noon kick on ABC Michigan's a one point favorite over under a 58 and a half. Where do you sit on this one? Because like, I don't know about you. I can literally imagine with what these two teams have done, any kind of close win blowout for either team happening. Oh, I, I'm with you in terms of that. This is an absolute chaos game to try to predict, but uh, I don't think you're going to find any Michigan people willing to take Michigan when there are also points factored in. <laughs> and I mean, th- this opened up with Michigan minus four, I believe, and now it's now it's crept down to a point. Uh, I'm I'm taking Penn State straight up. I I think I mean it's going to be just downright ugly when Michigan has the ball, I think against Penn state's defense. I I just think that's a, that's a pretty hideous matchup um, because Michigan does not have the passing game to really take advantage of Penn state's major weakness. On the other side, I I would like the Penn state offense against Michigan's defense could kind of explode in any direction, but I think that's to Penn state's benefit given what's going to happen on the other side of the ball. So I, I see Penn state some way, somehow, probably somewhat farcically scoring enough points to to get this win even on the road especially since it's an empty stadium <laughs> yeah i mean for me like it's just really hard for me to imagine penn state and i think this is just a function of what's happened uh the last couple of times that penn state has traveled uh to ann arbor i mean i'm pulling this up right now, but under, uh, James Franklin's, uh, under James Franklin's, uh, time as Penn state's football coach last game, 42 to seven Michigan time before that 49 to 10 Michigan time before that, uh, was the 18, 13 game that, that this is the last that I'm ever going to speak of that. Uh, <laughs> just Penn state's had so much, trouble going to Ann Arbor and even without the crowd uh you know they ju- they're still learning how to they still don't know who their quarterback is like all this weird stuff is happening in this game that it's really hard for me to not take I, I had a feeling this was going to happen you were going to take Penn State and I was going to take Michigan it just feels like they're not coming nowhere close to 58 and a half 
But I can absolutely see this being one of those gross college football 21-17 games that Michigan ends up winning. But regardless, I don't think either of us uh, are going to feel particularly good uh, about what ends up happening. But having said that, I'm sure it'll be a game where uh, we find ways to have some amount of fun with it because the entire college... It feels like the entire college football universe is watching this game. They're strapping in and expecting just the worst football game that you could possibly imagine. And there's something like there is something fun about that. And there's I, like I think I'm going to uh, really enjoy that. Ace, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, just real quick, can you let the people know where they can find you? Yeah, I'm at I'm writing at mcoblog.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Ace and Bender. Awesome. Well, make sure you are giving uh, Ace a follow and make sure you're uh, being very nice to him and everyone else at MGO blog right up until noon on Saturday afternoon. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. Uh, as always, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and all of our various podcasting platforms. If you want to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review over there. We'd really appreciate it. Make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels and make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that, go buy some t-shirts, go buy a hoodie, go do all that stuff. Uh, One last time, thank you very much for listening. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.